and the power amongst themselves. Meanwhile, the average person gets uh, has more debt than they've ever had. They have more credit card debt than they've ever had. Their, their student loans are higher than they've ever been. We as a country spend more money than we've ever spent. We get less than we've ever gotten. And we're watching our, air, we're, our, our, our trains fail, our airlines fail, our water systems fail. And, and it's these types of politicians and these types of individuals that are connected to D.C. that are the cause of these problems. It's not regular people. It's not regular people. We all want a better tomorrow. I was born and raised in a small country town in rural America. My father is a ranch hand and my mother is a traveling nurse. Both are hard jobs. When I was growing up, my grandfather made sure all his grandchildren spoke English so that one day we would have the opportunity to work inside, as he would say, because he always worked outside in a field or on a rooftop. What we lacked in money, we made up for in love of God, love of family, love of our neighbors, and love for our country, where we were taught that people matter. I believe in a better tomorrow, one where jobs pay well, where our schools have kids that are thriving, where we put people over politics, and we have a government that works for all Americans. I'm Eddie Garcia, candidate for the United States Senate for the Commonwealth of Virginia. I've spent 22 years serving our nation in the United States Army, and after six combat deployments and two decades of service, my family and I, we chose Virginia. We chose to work here, to go to church here, to send our kids to school here, and to build a community right here in the Commonwealth. I want Virginia to be united in a better tomorrow, and I know how to do it. I know how the system works. I've worked with lawmakers and policy experts to pass legislation that protects our veterans, enhances our military, and supports our Gold Star families. As your senator, your priorities will always be my priorities. I'm committed to rebuilding a strong economy, lowering inflation, ensuring parental rights, protecting our most vulnerable, and doing all of this together in the spirit of unity and respect. I believe by working together, we can rebuild trust in our institutions. We can help individuals and families thrive and make the American dream more attainable and more affordable for every man, woman, and child in the Commonwealth. Let's not accept a declining America or a government that fails its people. If you believe it's time for Virginia to have new leadership in the United States Senate, one that is rooted in the values of freedom, faith, family, and putting people over politics, come support our movement and the all-American agenda. Let's raise a Virginia that's built for 2024 and beyond. My name is Eddie Garcia. I approve this message, and I'm asking for your support to build a better tomorrow for all Americans.
Welcome back to the Joe Mobley Show. I am Joe Mobley, your host and the original uncloseted conservative. Guys, it's probably not a surprise to you after that awesome ad uh, that our guest is none other, none other than the one and only Eddie Garcia. He is running for the federal Senate representing uh, the men and women of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Guys, I got a huge stake in this fight. You guys know that I'm a Virginian to my core. That's why I got these famous Virginians, you know, uh, doing their boats and playtime things uh, behind me. But look, Commonwealth has been important to me since day one. Now, I'm technically a New Yorker. Don't hold that against me. I was, I was born in Long Island, uh, but I was raised in Virginia elementary school all the way through college. Uh, so fellow veteran, uh, military retiree and got out, you know, retired from the service and immediately thought, how can I continue to serve? So I'm super excited uh, to talk to Eddie to get his ideas about all kinds of different policy. But before we get into that, let's get into this. Guys, you know we're pushing podcast heavy this year. YouTube channel's been removed. We don't even need to talk about it anymore. So what you've got to do is make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Open up the podcast app on your phone. Search The Joe Mobley Show. Make sure you're subscribed. And while you're there, leave a review for this very interview. Leave a review. Tell us something that you learned, something that resonated with you, uh, something that, that Eddie said that you're just really passionate about. If you comment on the specific episode, you will be entered in uh, for a chance to win this month's monthly, monthly book drawing, guys. You can't just say, oh, Joe, you're amazing. Oh, Eddie, you're amazing. We know. Thank you so much. It's, you're too kind. Uh, but tell us something you learned. Tell us something that's a takeaway. You'll be entered in to win. You've got to use your, uh, you've got to put in the review, either your IG handle so I can message you directly or an email address. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to get the word to you. We've had a lot of problems with that over the last several months. Uh, but guys, that's all I got. Let's go ahead and get them up here. Eddie, how are you doing, my man? Joe, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm doing great. Things are super busy, super, uh, the campaign's going swimmingly. Thank you for your time and, and allowing me to, to, to join you. Awesome. Hey, I can only imagine. I mean, the little bit of time that we get to spend together, you're in meeting after meeting after meeting. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go home and scroll Instagram reels for 30 minutes. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but uh, you've got your nose to the grindstone. You Most people retire from the army and they take a knee for a little bit. And you're like, no, what can I get into? What, uh, <laughs> what, what, what can we get into? Where can we serve? Well, well, most most people uh, haven't had the luxury or maybe maybe it's the misfortune to see government uh, failing firsthand up here uh, out of the Pentagon working with the House and the Senate. So we, we if they have hmm. seen if good patriots have seen what I've seen, they would recognize the fight that's a, that, that's at our doorstep and they would join just the same. And, and that's kind of what we're seeing across the nation is more and more veterans getting involved. Uh, and I think it's for this very reason is that those people who have served the nation, who want to who recognize the threat that exists uh, want to support and defend the constitution against all enemies foreign and domestic and and that domestic portion is is important these days because it's at our doorstep and so there's a lot of veterans getting involved and that's a good thing for for our country mm. yeah yeah governor youngkin when he was on the campaign trail he had mentioned the increasing numbers of voter block uh participation from veterans it's a really important demographic uh, some people write it off small. Oh, man, only 1% of Americans are serving. And that's what, 
uh, maybe up to 5% of all Americans are veterans, but it, it's a really important constituent base because we are influential. We are community leaders. Uh, we, we carry a lot of influence with young people um, and not just here in Northern Virginia, but that was the case. You know, I was at Sill for a while, been the Campbell, been the, you know, you know, the places um, that that's how it is. Yeah. The, the military is a force multiplier at home insofar as our communities are concerned. Uh, so I couldn't agree with you more. Um, yeah, we're the on ones that. who set the example. We set the example with your service, uh, and 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 what we're seeing more and more is military families uh, from generation to generation because of that example set by somebody in in the family. I'm a fourth generation Army guy, so people ask me why I'm in the Army. I say my great grandfather fought in the Army uh, in World War One. My grandfathers both served in the Army in World War Two. My stepfather in Vietnam and was an Airborne MP, uh, which led me to Airborne School when I when I enlisted uh, originally, and and I'm an Army guy too. So we're seeing that generation of service uh, within particular families uh, just kind of grow. And so service is, is super important across the nation. We're the leaders. We're the ones who, who, who not only have, have served our nation, but have been trained on how to lead people. Um, that's what our, our country needs today is leadership. Now, look, I'm a leg, okay? So don't hold it against me. Uh... <laughs> Everybody's got a role to play. Everybody's got a role to <laughs> yeah, play. My so, beret was black. Uh, but no, seriously, you, you spoke about your grandfather in your campaign ad. Um, I know that you've got such a tremendous story. Tell the people a little bit more uh, about who you are, um, and then we can get into some of the policy things. Uh, but I know people, especially on podcasts, they, they love to hear, like, who am I speaking with? Uh, and you've got an awesome story with the generational military legacy. Uh, yeah, just sure. so really, my, my really nice. I'm originally from South Texas, and so if if you if I'm, if you go back in history, what the South Texas area, North Mexican area looks like is it it looks um, like six different flags that have flown over that uh, over that space, and so from Spain to to France to Mexico to uh, Texas itself when it was its own republic to the American flag and then the Confederate flag for that short period of time too, and so my family's been in that area. Uh, near the Rio Grande Valley for 150, 200 years. And so we don't, we didn't cross the border. The border crossed us, as we like to say down there. And uh, cowboys don't dress like, uh, we don't dress like cowboys. Cowboys dress like us. Um, and and that's where we were born and raised. And and my, I, I just gave you a, a brief layout of my my grandparents and the, and the history of, of service that they had. They were staunchly American. Uh, and I was raised staunchly American. People sleep on the fact, because this is a political interview, so we'll talk politics. People sleep on the fact that the state of Texas itself is so red and the state of California, for instance, is so blue when the demographics are very similar. The reason the state of Texas is so red is because of the, the Mexican-American heritage that's down in that South Texas region that is staunchly American, that has fought for uh, for the country in, 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 in all the wars. And that wants to see basic conservative values, uh, you know, lift out in their communities. And, and that's the environment that I was raised in. And so my grandfather, I mentioned in that video, that campaign video, he was he, he was it was super important that his kids and his grandkids spoke English because this is a man who uh, who was segregated. He was he went to a separate school with with black and Hispanic kids. Um, he was he faced discrimination. He faced uh, racism. Um, but he recognized still that America is the greatest place in the history of the of the world. It's the only place where you can come from 
uh, from anywhere and, uh, and become anything. But in order to do that, you have to be able to do a few things and they're not going to change. One of them is you have to be able to speak the language so that you can get an education because education he saw as the pathway to success. And, and his, in his mind, success was working inside. It was that simple. Um, this is a man who, who worked as a carpenter, who worked as a field hand, worked as a roofer, worked as his hands when he was out of the service. And all of his friends did that too. And so he, he wanted his kids to work inside. Because uh, if you worked inside, he would say you, you could wear a suit, you could wear a tie, you wore shoes, you got a chance to sit down during the day. Because when you're on the field, you're on a rooftop, you know, you're, you're, you're doing hard manual labor, you don't get a chance to sit down much. And that's as simple as he, as he saw it. And so in order for you to get a good job, you need to have a good education. In order to get a good education, you've got to speak the language. And it's a, it's a message that resonates um, with the vast majority of, of, of Hispanics and Mexican-Americans where I come from. Um, it's a shame that that view is, is trying to be skewed by the Democrat Party, um, who is trying to discourage English as, as a common language for immigrants and their children. Uh, but it's something that I believe wholeheartedly. And, and because of that, the, uh, and, and their service. I joined the military when I was 17, Joe. So I would tell you, I, I would go to, I would go to high school during the week. I would go to army drill during the weekends. And then a week after I graduated high school, uh, I went off to basic training and I spent the next two and a half years as a reservist until 9-11 happened. And so after 9-11, the world changed. Um, once again, the country was at war and just piggybacking on my family heritage of being a, a member of the of the army at times of war, um, I went back to the recruiter and I said, "Hey, look, I have to go to airborne school because my stepfather says so, um, and I want to, <laughs> I want to, I want to get after it." Uh, and and that's what happened. They they shipped me off um, to, to airborne school. They shipped me off to uh, to Germany. Uh, when I was there, I got a chance to meet my wife and uh, have have some children. I got six combat deployments underneath my belt. So I got three combat deployments to Iraq, three to Afghanistan, uh, multi, multiple uh, engagements in Africa and, and Europe uh, pro well prior to all of this. Uh, I was blessed enough to command troops in the 82nd Airborne Division. Um, I, I sat right seat for General Joe Votel at CENTCOM for a year, uh, traveling the, the Central Command uh, area of operation, getting chances, getting a chance to live and see what the view, what the world looks like from a from a COCOM theater command level, interacting with a lot of international dignitaries and hearing those conversations and, and being a part of the conversation, which segued into uh, my last five years in the Pentagon, working with Capitol Hill and seeing how legislation is passed and some of the concerns and and, and quite frankly some of the some of the things that concerned me, you know, seeing how our politicians are more interested in, in their power and in their position than they are in actually helping troops and helping our military uh, be ready for the next fight, which has led us to this whole, uh, to this whole campaign. Hmm. Yeah. I, I hear you on that whole, uh, that vantage point thing. I spent two years in the Pentagon, uh, ETMS2, CADMS, OSD stuff. And, uh, five years, I, uh, on the one hand, I'm like, I don't know how you made it. On the other hand, I'm really glad that you were there <laughs> and, and, and to yeah. be a level-headed person. So I want to I want to pull on this thread because the, there's no doubt that our nation and especially the Commonwealth are in this battle uh, where they're trying to tear down meritocracy. They're trying to tear down excellence as a standard in schools and in, in finance in 
uh, in relationships with marriage rates. So they're trying to tear down excellence and achievement in every way. The wisdom of your grandfather, and I'm so glad that you mentioned this because I've interviewed a ton of immigrants or first or second generation um, citizens, and we've never spoken about this. It's not about assimilation for assimilation's sake, and we don't want to hear your language. We want to hear our language. That's not it at all. In the New York City area where I'm from, you hear when you just walk down the sidewalk, you hear six, seven, 12 languages and different conversations being had, and it's awesome. But the question is, what's going to serve you best? I, I tell people, hey, you know, stay married. Hey, stop uh, doing this and try this. You know, spend uh, less than you make. Not because I don't want you to have, not because I don't want you to have fun, not because I don't want to hear your language. It's because what we're concerned about is what's going to serve you best. And you're, it sounds like the leaders in your family wanted that for you all. And when, you know, cats out of the bag, we're Republican men, we're Christian <laughs> men, we're, yes. we're one woman married to the mother of our children, men. Surprise, guys. The reason that we want or promote what the left calls assimilation and segregation and racism. No, 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 no. We want what's going to serve the individual best. Learning the language, learning the math skills, uh, rhetoric, reading books. That will serve the individual best. Frederick Douglass taught himself how to read. Born a slave, he was the first... Uh, Black deputy U.S. marshal appointed by, I forget which president appointed him, but over Washington, D.C. He held numerous offices. It's because he learned how to read. It's what's going to serve you best. Because uh, people are going to hear this. They're not going to know that you're Hispanic. They're going to hear a little soundbite. They're going to be like, this white racist Republican, you know, you're going to be the new brown face of white supremacy before too long. It's not about that, guys. It's about what's going to serve the individual best. That's what we want for you. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I, if 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 we as and we're leaders in our community, if, if leaders in our community want to see people succeed, there's a there's a, a clear blueprint, regardless of where you've come from, regardless of what your what your parents or grandparents uh, had had to face, whether you're Irish, Italian, uh, Japanese, uh, South Korean, Mexican, Honduran, Venezuelan, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Caribbean, Nigerian. Um, we, America is the is the melting pot of all these different cultures and the ones that recognize the, the, the steps needed to succeed, which is speaking the language and, and, and going after that education. That doesn't necessarily mean college, but it means education, being being educated in a field and a trade, uh, something that you can succeed at and you can start a business at if you can. If you can do those things um, and, and be a part of the system, then you can grow to unspeakable heights. Uh, if you choose not to, if you want to rail against that system, if you want to try to tear down the system, if you want to be a victim of the system, well, then you'll, you'll see perpetual you know, poverty. And, and that, sadly, some people have just taken that route. And, and one of the things that, again, I'll go back to, to my upbringing – you know, we, we suffer no fools. I mean, show us the show us the blueprint, show us the way and we'll outwork you uh, each and every single day. And I still live by that mantra to the day in, in this campaign. I'm going to outwork every single person, no matter who they are, because that's one thing that I can control. 
I can't control what other people do or say or talk about or speak about me or call me names. Um, what I can do is I can control my attitude. I can, tr- I can control my work ethic. And, and if, and if that gives me the, 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 the greatest advantage. And so the, those are the steps to success in, in the way I see life, because that's just the way that I was taught. And I think they ring true to everybody who hears this. So I want to shoot straight through to 2025 and everything has gone the way it's <laughs> supposed to go. You are Senator Garcia and with your career, your credentials, you are a prime pick for the committees in the intelligence realm, in the uh, domestic international policy defense realm. So I, I just got to hear, you know, you're going to be having these conversations about Ukraine, about transnational crime threats, you're, about uh, other adversaries that aren't Ukraine, uh, or, or sorry, not Ukraine, the adversary that aren't uh, necessarily Russia. Maybe uh, China comes into play and other international actors. Got to get your take on, on the Ukraine situation, our role in it, what should continue to be done or not be done. Well, was it pomp and circumstance? A lot of people are saying that, you know, the Russia-Ukraine war has kind of been nonsensical uh, from a tactical application. Uh, you're someone who definitely has uh, a strategic knowledge of warfare um, and kind of the international theater. So I'd love to hear what your take is on, on Ukraine and what our uh, action should be there. Well, I think the Biden administration and I will lump Tim Kaine into the Biden administration. I mean, he's cut from the same (laughs) cloth, right? So the Democrat uh, party and the Biden administration, I think they've taken the worst parts of the Obama foreign policy and mixed them with the worst parts of the Bush uh, foreign policy. And they've created this, uh, this nonsensical um, national security, foreign policy, where uh, we, we want to be involved, but we don't. But but then we pretend that we don't want to be involved. Uh, we and, and we've given unending commitments of, of money, time, weapons um, to to Ukraine with, with no end in sight, with no plan of what's next, with no stated end state. Um, that's the biggest problem that I have. Uh, I think. Honest people can come to the table and have a discussion whether or not Ukraine has strategic interests, whether or not R- Russia is uh, to be uh, to be trifled with, to be pushed back against, to be degraded, um, and how to do those things. Uh, we can have that, com- that kind of conversation. If you tell me, Joe, what are we trying to do? If Are we trying to escalate uh, to, to a point of war? Are we trying to slowly... Uh, bleed the Russian treasure, uh, similarly to the 1980s in, in Afghanistan. Um, it, what are we trying to do? If if the administration would voice that, then we at least we could have a conversation. Say, hey, this is a good idea, or hey, this is not a good idea. Um, currently, with no plan, with no end game, with no end state, uh, no intent, no, uh, no no restraint on money, resources, people. Uh, or, or anything, I can't support what's going on right now. Um, and so that is that is the crux that I have. Um, I, I, I think it, the administration does a disservice by keeping the American people in the dark about what its plans are, what it's doing, what it's not. Um, and until we until we get some answers, then I, I'm not in favor of of any more action until we know what the end state is. I agree completely. And guys, um 
you know, well, one, I, I don't know the classified information involved with this. And even if I did, obviously we wouldn't disclose that on the podcast, but with, with the network that I have, with the network that I know that Eddie has, no one in my world, no one that I interact with has told me that they've heard that things are going to be okay, that there's strategy in place. When we, we look at the Gulf Wars, there, were, there was strategy. There was something that we were trying to do. Um, many, many of these battles, these campaigns, and turning points in wars is because of a strategic thing that we did. Now, of course, here in Fairfax, you know, people are speaking out against it. You know, we, we should have lost Iwo Jima, and we shouldn't have done this, and it was a big evil the United States perpetrated. And I'm like, uh so are you were you rooting for Hitler's squad or what's going on? But anyway, uh, we don't need to talk about her. Uh, she's not running for anything because, uh, well, anyway, I said I wouldn't talk about her. <laughs> but uh, guys, there's there's where there's no vision that people perish and we, we can't support unending wars. Uh, every Everyone gave the last administration a lot of flack, but there were no new conflicts. There was a, a drastic scaling back of the existing conflict that has been here since I was a child. 9-11 happened. I was in middle school. I was in eighth grade. Uh, and then, you know, joined the, everyone that I know that joined the military as a post 9-11. Uh, war has been my entire life, basically. Uh, yeah, well, the, the reason I said, Joe, that it that it was a, a mix of those two administrations is because if mm. and, and now I kind of recognize that, you know, you are a little bit younger than I is because you just said you were in middle school. And so 89, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I would tell you that as someone who was in the service during the late uh, during the early part of the Bush administration, I mean, there was a lot of. Uh, uh, of encouragement to go into Iraq in 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 o three and in Afghanistan in in o in o one o two, but there was never an end state. We 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 never knew what what the answer was going to be. We were uh, completely unprepared. Um, we we went to war if people can remember back in this time uh, with flak jackets without armor. They were just you know field flak jackets. Yeah. We had we had Humvees with no bot with, with no armor on the sides of them. Um, it, it, there was massive casualties in 06, 07, and 08 during those times in Iraq where the uh, vehicle-borne IEDs were setting off. Uh, with, and, and even during those times, we had no plan, no in-state on, on what victory looked like. And we just spent more time and more money and more people died uh, up until the point where Obama just, you know, pulled us out with, with, without a plan. Um, it, it turned to chaos. And then we went right back in a couple of years later. I know because I was in the 82nd and, and 15 when we went back at, uh, against ISIS. And so th this way of, of doing conducting foreign policy from uh, from these administrations, and I just described a Republican one and a Democrat one. It's it's the same and it's a failure. And it seems like we're doing it all over again. Yep. And it, it speaks to the evolution of not just warfare and policy, but also a lot of people rail against it, the military industrial complex, because just like you were talking, these innovations in body armor, uh, and that's that's one dollar amount. But we're talking about things like strikers, up armored, this and that, uh, armored personnel carriers, and then how that transferred into law enforcement contracts. So there are federal contracts, there are state contracts, tribal contracts, all kinds of things. And uh, I get it, guys. I, I was a part of it, too. I, I, I was a contractor for a while. Um, and it's it's fun and exciting, uh, but it, it is a tremendous 
it's a tremendous burden on the tax basis. It's a tremendous burden on the on the lives and and uh, mental health of not just young men, but millions of Americans and their their spouses, their children. And it's it's an unending thing. It's an unacceptable, untenable uh, position for this country to have at its highest leadership that we are always going to be at war. Uh, and it's completely anti the guy who set this country up. That's not what George Washington was about. Like get a freaking grip guys, read a book. Guys, eight out of 10 Americans are completely dissatisfied with work miserable and they hate going into their job. This is a nut statistic. I can't believe so many people live that reality, especially since there are more jobs than people. That means it's actually easier for you to get into the career of your dreams, to get that dream job. This is something I can coach you through. No matter the company, the industry, no matter your education, qualifications, or experience. Guys, I've built a successful career in more than five different industries. I was always promoted ahead of my peers. I was always put in positions of more and more responsibility and leadership. This is something that I can help you achieve for yourself. Guys, you know and love me as the host of The Joe Mobley Show, and now we can have a one-on-one relationship with me as your career pivot coach. All you got to do is jump on a discovery call with me and see if this is the right move for you to make in 2023 and why this is the best time. Book that discovery call. Go to thejoemobleyshow.com slash coach. That's thejoemobleyshow.com slash coach. Book a time today. Guys, my time is limited. The spots are gonna fill up and then I'm not going to be able to coach you immediately. I'm gonna have to put you on the wait list, but you're gonna do the right thing. You're gonna go to djmobleyshow.com slash coach right now. Well, that, Um, and there's also the second, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, um, to umpteenth degree effects on the society writ large. So we have a society that's accompanied, that's uh, accustomed to this war uh, in the background. So they don't pay attention to it, which means there's nobody pressing to stop it. They have the the people who actually fought in these wars, these veterans that are coming back with with post-traumatic stress, with anxiety, with depression, homelessness, mental health problems, uh, alcohol problems, drug use, opioid abuse, because in order to to do some of these, um, you know, some of these missions and, and, and stay uh, fit enough with, with their own physical injuries, they've been hooked on opioids and painkillers. And, 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 and there's this whole litany of effects from, from a generation at war. And just when we thought we were, I mean, as bad as, as the collapse in, in Kabul was, uh, we, we, we at least kind of thought we were going to be done with it for a while. And, and regroup and reconstitute at the house and uh, build our infrastructure, help our transportation system, help our veterans, you know, get on some solid footing economically so that we could then be positioned from a position of strength in the event that we needed to engage somewhere else against China or, or against any of these other bad actors. But instead, uh, we just went right on to something else. And and if, if we're not careful, we're going to continue. Th- th- this is going to drag out. and It's going to get worse and worse meanwhile the, the, is, the domestic the domestic policy uh the domestic homeland is falling apart our in- infrastructure is falling apart our, our homeless crisis is is through the roof our border is is porous and there's a humanitarian crisis we have air that's not breathable and and water that not that's not drinkable in ohio and, and jackson mississippi and flint michigan still i mean all of these things still exist and the administration has is not doing anything about them 
but we're we're giving an unending commitment uh, to 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 Ukraine, and so our, our priorities, I believe, are misaligned. I couldn't agree more. Uh, you mentioned kind of like that picture of that rookie, um, that new guy player to the game of risk who spreads their army too thin and they're like, oh, I'm doing great. And then they, they kind of crumble and fall. That kind of speaks to the issue of readiness. And look, I, I love the American military. I, I loved all my brothers and sisters in arms and, and uh, you know, nothing but respect for the military and, and most uh, military leadership, but we're kind of at this crisis point when it comes to military readiness. And it's actually been an issue my whole career. I joined in 09. Uh, I served until 2020. Um, it was actually an issue my whole career. General, um, uh-oh, now his name popped right out of my head. Was it General Hurtling? He did a, a TED talk about military readiness. And um, uh, I'm hoping it's the right general. I, I can't... Uh, we met at Joint Base Little Creek. Um, uh, he was, I guess he was stationed at Story. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, readiness is a huge issue. The American people aren't being told about it. They're not being told that we're potentially building a house of cards when it comes to our military readiness. Uh, international enemies are real, guys. The, the other nations of the world aren't just go along to get along everyone you know we're, we're perfectly happy with the united states being over there and doing their own thing they don't have coexist bumper stickers on the back of their prius uh they have 100 year strategies in place to see this nation not just decline but dissolve to to see us fall into chaos and we we're <laughs> we're around here acting like a bunch of idiots um, so I want to hear your take on on military readiness and and what the posture of our country needs to be. Well, I think um, well, let's start with that second part first. The posture of our country, uh, I think, has to, we, we we need we need leadership. You're a military guy, Joe. Yeah. I'm a military guy. We, we and, and most of us kind of understand inherently due to our to our backgrounds that leadership matters. When you have leadership, people will go through literally through gunfire. To, to support and uh, save you and co accomplish the mission. When you don't have good leadership, things fall apart. Uh, your morale gets diminished. Your, um, your, your readiness gets diminished. Uh, there's infighting. There's, it, it just degrades. If you look at our country right now and you, and you just kind of expand what I'm talking about from a, from a small unit perspective to across the country, with the lack of leadership, we have untrusted institutions. We don't trust our leaders. Our leaders, uh, and, and a lot of times for good reason, because our leaders have been shown to be inept. They, they, they are, they not, it's not me saying that certain members of the cabinet and the administration have, are picked simply due to their race, color, creed, or gender, or uh, sexual orientation. They said that they were going to be picked for their race, color, creed, gender, or sexual orientation. And so I'm not making that argument. That's the argument the administration has made. And that is why it gets tougher for regular people to trust their leaders. And if regular people don't trust their leaders, if we don't trust our institutions, then things start to degrade. We infight amongst each other. And, 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 and sadly, that's what we're seeing domestically play out. As far as military readiness, it's, it's built into that, to that same conversation uh, that I just mentioned about the, the, the country as a whole. When our military leaders are, have a more vested interest in their next job 
in being liked or running for office in the future or, you know, getting that six figure, seven figure K Street salary um, rather than protecting and making sure that our our military is is equipped and trained uh, at the at the elite level, at the top level. Then we have things that are things are not going to go right and trust is not going to be there. And sadly, that's what we've seen. We saw that in, in the past couple of administrations uh, right now, General Austin. I mean, it's not a secret. General Austin used to be a lobbyist. Um, he, he's a lobbyist for Raytheon, and now he's the Secretary of Defense. Uh, Mark Esper was a lobbyist for Raytheon, and he was the Secretary of Defense. Before that, he was the Secretary of the Army. Those aren't the only two, but those are the two brightest that um, uh, examples of this, of this kind of uh, – corporate you know cronyism between the the, the the Pentagon leadership and not doing what's right what they know that is right because they're eyeballing that next job they they're eyeballing that retirement that 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 uh, CNN deal that Fox News deal whatever it is that they're looking at and so they're just trying to to make it out without without getting into trouble so that they can re- reap those rewards of their service meanwhile you know, Joe and Jane down at the unit level, uh, they're the ones picking up the slack for their ineptitude, for the the, the, the political games that are being played. Uh, people like to use the word wokeism, the wokeism, you know, the diversity, equity, uh, inclusion, you know, uh, trainings that are Im- embedded into so much of the military now that teaches or it reinforces stuff that's already taught in these liberal uh, uh, universities that your leader, who you're supposed to uh, possibly work and die for um, under his orders or her orders that if he's white and I'm not, um, maybe I shouldn't have to listen to him because he doesn't have what's best in, in, at heart because because he's somehow inherently racist. And that's why I got the bad job. That's why he told me to go this way, go left instead of right, because he doesn't like me. And, and, and these things are inherent to who he is based on the color of his skin and all that nonsense that we see on TV. And so if, if we keep focusing on that rather than equipment, training, uh, physical fitness and the health and well-being of our soldiers and our families, um, then we're going to see just a, a continued decline of our military. And I say the health of our families also because we've seen, and again, I'm not breaking any news here for anybody who's paid attention, um, our, our housing for for families, military housing with mold, uh, you know, leaking uh, leaking roofs, moldy no, I, walls. I'm, I'm waiting to get my messages. My, my A school, uh, every other room was like, plastic like cordoned off and it had asbestos in it and i'm like in the next room over like this like not a doctor not a scientist but i was pretty sure that like (laughs) a plastic trash bag covering the door didn't work with asbestos yeah no asbestos lead paint you name it and and what are the effects and who is it affecting these are the people that sacrifice the most already and you're and you're putting them in a in a position where it's too much and so they're getting out we can't, we're not meeting retention. We're not meeting recruiting. Uh, and the people that stay in are perpetually unhappy. And if, if Joe is unhappy, just like married men know when, when, when the wife isn't happy, you know, our life is not happy. And so when, if you're not committed as a family to service of our nation, it's just not going to work. And you're the, the, the soldier's not prepared and the unit won't be prepared. So all of those things are in flux right now because of lack of leadership. I've been looking for this. I can't, find it because i apparently am failing to use the internet um but guys i I don't want to forget this before this interview um is over 
you can come out and actually talk to Eddie. I'm, I'm posting this early because it's important, because I want people to come out and meet you in person and, and hear what you got to say. Um, normally, Tuesday nights, 730. I'm actually posting this on Monday night. So you all have time to listen to this and to put this on your calendar. Um, but tomorrow night, Tuesday, March, what is it? March 7th, um, about, about, what is it? 6 p.m.? Uh, 6 um, p.m., yes. Yeah. Uh, I think it's 530 to 8. Yeah, 530 to 8, uh, Tuesday, March 7th. I'll be there, but Eddie's going to be there, and he's, he's going to be – uh, I'm talking a little bit more, um, I think, fielding some questions. I think Ron's going to put you in the hot seat. Uh, but it's in Northern Virginia. Hey, if you're out in the McLean area, Little Havana Cigar Club is the name of the place. I had the event saved. I just can't find it right now on the fly. Um, but that's, uh, it's 1355A Chainbridge, uh, what, Road? Chainbridge Road. Yeah, Chainbridge right. Road. Uh, but it, it, it's a little Havana Cigar Club. Guys, come out. Come out. Uh, hang out with Eddie and myself. Uh, interview's not over. I just I, I had that buzzing around in my mind. I should have said it at the top. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned the leadership piece. Everyone, it doesn't matter if you have or haven't served. You, you get it if you've ever worked on a dysfunctional team. Right now, the United States, the government at the highest levels is operating as a dysfunctional team. If you've experienced that work, whether you're in finance, law, medicine, whatever, blue collar work, maybe you're a janitor. If you've experienced toxic leadership, incompetent leadership, uh, morally bad or questionable leadership, you experience being on a dysfunctional and toxic team. That's what's going on at the highest levels of the federal government. That's what's going on with the cronyism that, that Eddie just spoke about. And we all, unfortunately, every service member has served under someone. I don't care what your rank was. You've served under someone who was eyeballing the Raytheon, the Deloitte, the BAE systems, uh, what a Northrop Grumman, there, there's a thousand of them who was, they had their sights set on that. It impacted their the decisions that they made it impacted the relationships that they felt like pouring time and resources into um that's Absolutely. what we're sending eddie to the senate to stop to stop dude tim kane is that guy and he needs right. to be retired right A absolutely and, and what i'm trying to the, the case that i'm trying to make joe uh especially to our republicans uh to, to our republican friends on that are going to be voting in a primary is that we need we need leaders the, the people who are not going to get us out of this mess they're not going to be celebrities they're not going to be athletes they're not going to be lobbyists they're not going to be uh you know pseudo academic you know uh uh theorizers on on, on the economy and, and, and whatever. It's going to take regular people who have an experienced background in federal service with a, with some, and, and people who want to be uh, servants to this nation for the betterment of the nation, not for the betterment of themselves. And that's where my message is to, is to veterans across the Commonwealth and across the country is to be involved because um, a lot of people can say whatever they want to about what they will or won't do, but show me what you've done. Show me your scars. Have have you put up your right hand uh, and swore allegiance to the Constitution? And do you still hold that view? 
And if you do, then you need to be involved because the fight has come home. And and mm-hmm. that's what I and, and that's why we're running. That's why I think we're, we're going to win the primary. And that's why I think we're going to beat Tim Kaine is because we're tired of the same establishment people from the same backgrounds and the same uh, circles of, of, of crony friends uh, within government or close to government. Uh, just recirculating the money amongst themselves and the power amongst themselves. Meanwhile, at the average person gets uh, has more debt than they've ever had they have more credit card debt than they've ever had their, their student loans are higher than they've ever been we as a country spend more money than we've ever spent we get less than we've ever gotten and we're watching our air our, our, our trains fail our airlines fail our water systems fail and and it's these types of politicians and these types of individuals that are connected to DC that are the cause of these problems. It's not regular people. It's not regular voters. And so my job as a, as now a politician is to reach the voters and, and and get them to understand that I'm actually going to be working for them when I get to to DC and I'm going to push as much power and control and money back down to the local levels. I can. I, I want you to talk about this. Because you you hit me with this uh, a week or two ago um, at at a meeting, and it was such a fact. I don't even know if you know how like on fire this point this this talking point is. Um, uh, but a couple of things. One, guys, we need we need to vote for Eddie because he's he's already proven that he's courageous. We need someone with some you know some moral fortitude. Someone who's gonna say no. Someone who's gonna say that's not right. This is ethically or morally wrong. This is this is if it's gray, it's gray. But a lot of times things are black and white. But another reason that we need to vote for him is because he's already demonstrated that he's an actual leader, and everyone's got an opinion, and everyone can armchair quarterback. But what the leadership is really about that Eddie has done and is doing is making a decision. You know, not just planning, but make a decision to take action. And that's what we need. Congress has stopped taking action. They're right. they're letting judges legislate. They're letting uh, regulatory agencies and, and bodies, ATF, uh, EPA, IRS, whomever, pick an agency out of a hat. They're letting them write laws through rules and regulations. Uh, Eddie's not going to do that. Eddie's going to actually do the job. Someone who's a decision maker. But you said this to me at the coffee shop. Uh, and I'm normally not speechless. You said Name one. You said, tell me one system that is functioning properly. And I was speechless. Guys, this is a problem. There's there's nothing. We are in a state of dysfunction and there's nothing that's functioning properly. And that's why I, I'm looking forward to being able to vote for you. I'm glad I'm a Virginian uh, voter. Um, but if you want to take us out on, on that idea and it's just the change that we need to see happen. Uh, yeah. Well, yours, the reason. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. And thank you for your time. And I would encourage everybody to to go check us out at eddiegarciava.com. Uh, that's my website or follow us on social media, YouTube or whatever. Um, all the social media platforms, all, all of it's Eddie Garcia VA. And yeah, I like to ask people as I travel across the Commonwealth, say, you know, just just give me give me one thing. Give me two things. If you can even if you can muster up one thing. Uh, over the last 10 years, and I say 10 years because it's easy to poke fun at the Biden administration because there's so much failing. But you, if you go back 10 years, you get you know two years of Biden, you get four years of the Trump administration, you get some years of, of the Obama administration, and just ask yourself, what, what systems are working well? 
better today than they were 10 years ago in 2012. Look at our immigration system. Look at our transportation system. Look at our education system. Look at our national defense and, and, and the lack thereof. They're all falling apart and they're, they're, they're slowly degrading and they're degrading and not necessarily because any particular party uh, vice the other one, but it's the whole cabal of both parties. It's the establishment. It's the entrenched uh, lack of leaders uh, that are up in that are up in Washington and the Washington area uh, that are making decisions that benefit themselves and their friends. And they hurt the average working people. And and that's how you get 30 years of outsourcing jobs. That's how you get. 30 years of demonizing the, the, the working rural class and, and, and farmers of America, uh, people who actually work with their hands and uh, they're made fun of in these elite institutions in D.C. and across uh, all the academia, uh, academic spaces. And so in order for us to change it, we're going to need leaders that are that are homegrown, that are grassroots, that actually care about people uh, that come from working class backgrounds, that can speak to working class issues, that can meet people and want to meet people, call them by their names, see them eye to eye, regardless of the race, color, creed, background, ethnicity, where they're from. If they're in Virginia, if they're in the Commonwealth, I want to meet you. I want to talk to you. I want to hear what concerns you have, and we'll figure out a way how to how to address those concerns in a way that's good for everybody, not just for me and my friends, because that's how they operate. We're not going to operate like that. And so come follow us at eddiegarciava.com. And I appreciate your time, Joe. Boom. Guys, the website is eddiegarciava.com. Go there and check it out. If you are in the Nova area or central Virginia, you know, stone throw away, then come out to McLean, Virginia tomorrow. Uh, 5.30 to 8 p.m. Eastern time, guys, because we're, we're on the right coast, uh, <laughs> the East Coast, um, at Little Havana Cigar Club. And this is just, there's so many issues that we didn't have time to get into, guys. This is just the beginning of the conversation. We are definitely going to have uh, Eddie back. And, you know, after he's sworn in, he's going to have to remember the little Joe Mobley <laughs> show. We're going to have to have Senator Garcia on yeah. uh, at some time in the future. Eddie, man. Thank you for your service and thank you especially for what you do now. I'm super excited for the campaign. I'm super excited uh, for the result. Um, and then I'm really, truly excited about some positive change on the Hill and the Pentagon and, and our international footing. Uh, ben Carson said it best. I don't remember his exact quote, but the world is a better place when the United States leads well. And you are a step in that direction. So thank yes, you. Sir. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.